Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Joining us now on the West Her Hotline for the last time in a while. We're so grateful to Sam Monson for his regular visits throughout the season. Now it's over, and we'll uh, give, give Sam a little space. Assuming you want that, Sam. I'm happy either way, whatever you guys want to do. <laughs> okay. How was your Super Bowl experience? What a game to get to go to. Yeah, it was great. It was uh, a fun experience, a fantastic game right up until the end, and then unfortunately just a kind of sad, disappointing way for a game that good to end. That's right. What do we do about this? Usually when we're complaining about officiating, it's because it's the end of the game and they have – made it easier to get away with stuff we're not calling we don't want to decide the game in sports right so we're not calling the penalty at the end this game was backwards it was a game not you know tainted if you will by penalties all day but then you had the the holding call there that pretty much decided it yeah i think it's difficult because technically it's probably the correct call um, and they showed a replay in the stadium that I haven't seen since. It doesn't seem to be out yeah. here in, in the real, the kind of the outside world. It wasn't on Fox. It doesn't appear to be on social media anywhere. But they showed an in-stadium replay that was much clearer um, where the, the jersey tug was and, and made it kind of an obvious holding call. And if an official sees, you know, a fistful of jersey coming away from the the player being held it's it's an automatic flag they call those like that's the thing that they're looking for and if you show it to them there's probably going to be a flag so i think it it was the correct call but it's also a call that pretty much nobody wants to see like that it's one of those where it's marginal enough that had they not called that i think there would be a far smaller degree of outcry than there was for actually correctly calling it at the end of the game it's a weird situation where you do get this scenario late in the game, you know, the most important game in the season where we don't want anything outside of truly egregious penalties being flagged. You know, it it struck me watching, and I know what you mean about the highlights. Like I I feel like everything that made, or the clip that made the most, uh, that was most visible, Sam, uh, through the last, you know, 36 hours or so, has been uh, like it cl- cuts off the front end of the play where Schuster first turns inside, and you only see like the tail end of that interaction as he as he peels off and tries to run, you know, toward the corner. And I, you know, I, I feel like that doesn't really do the play justice. And also another observation I, I thought of while looking at it, you know, multiple times is that maybe if Schuster does a little more hand-fighting himself to try to get Bradbury off him, you don't get a flag at all because the official might look at that and go like, oh, those guys, it's, you know, they're both doing it, and it's just hand-fighting, and we'll just let it go. But Schuster really didn't fight it, and maybe that made the, the official throw the flag. 
Yeah, I think it's more just the angle that it was seen from. The, the replay that's mostly being shown around the place is sort of looking at the play from the Chiefs' offense side. Um, but the one that I think showed most clearly the jersey pull came from basically the other side entirely. Yeah. It was from almost behind the Eagles' end zone. Um, and you see it much more clearly there. And that's, I think, where the flag is coming from. The official looking in that direction immediately sees jersey get pulled away and that's when the flag comes out um so yeah i I think it it is a penalty it's just it's sufficiently marginal that i think a lot of people just don't want to see that call made in that situation sam for all the tape you watch this thing that kansas city figured out that got them their last two touchdowns the the motion and then the sudden stop and the eagles guy is still going and it's walking touchdowns to what extent do you think Philadelphia is to blame for that like is that the kind of thing that every team's got some glitch and Kansas City just found it uh, and the situation fell perfectly for them to exploit it or is that a gaffe I mean I think these are things that cause problems for defenses generally and the Chiefs had a game plan in this game that dialed up basically all of these things I mean they obviously the touchdowns came in, in a couple of sort of similar circumstances but throughout the entire game they were using a ton of motion they were using a ton of misdirection they were pulling out basically everything they could think of on offense to slow down or cause problems for that philadelphia defense so all the stuff we were talking about before the game about how were they going to block those edge rushers from philadelphia with tackles that aren't necessarily the best players in the world on on the edge for kansas city they effectively decided to block them by causing indecision and by showing them a whole bunch of things and and creating hesitation throughout that entire Eagles defense. And I think it worked at several levels. It worked on those edge rushers. It was working at the linebacker level. TJ Edwards, who's I think had a really good season was absolutely lost on a few separate plays um, that, that caused some pretty significant gains. And then obviously it caused a couple of total breakdowns when they got to the red zone. So I think they were causing the Eagles all kinds of issues and and certainly beyond just the the kind of one look that broke open for a couple of scores. Well, bottom line, Kansas City gets there, Sam. I mean, all year in in our chats with you, Bills, Chiefs, I mean, the Bengals entered the chat, but they get there in a year where they traded Tyreek Hill, where the quarterback got hurt, where they were supposed to be in a tough division and that didn't, you know, become a thing. But um, it's like every championship, I'm, I'm sure, is great. It seems especially good when you can win the way they did. Yeah, I mean, I think they've shown what the, the reality is right now, which is your starting point should be the assumption that the Chiefs are the favorite, you know, everywhere. Like the start of the season, the end of the season, when you have Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, that's your starting point. They are the best team in the NFL. And sure, teams can beat them. Cincinnati beat them. Uh, the Bills can go toe-to-toe with them and, you know, maybe be the better team for a while. But over the course of the entire season, you have to assume that they are going to be there or thereabouts the entire way. And, you know, even the, the sort of post-game celebrations, Travis Kelsey is acting like everybody <laughs> wrote the Chiefs off and nobody thought they could win. Like, they didn't have necessarily the best season they've had, and yet nobody ever relegated them beyond, like, the third of the elite contenders in the AFC. They were always there or thereabouts and, and vying for a Super Bowl. 
Yeah. Well, we knew that at least. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah yes. That, that was hard. I, I, I did feel a little may, maybe um, defensive about Kelsey because the Bills were talked up all year long, and so I don't know. I don't know if he was thinking of the Bills specifically when he said what he said after the game. But I, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm, I'm admitting I felt a little defensive about it because, of course, no one wrote them off, but the Bills did get more hype than them for a lot of the year. I think. Yeah, they probably did, and and I think the Bills did go into the season as favorites, but it was always, you know, have they done enough now to beat Kansas City in the AFC Championship game? Like, nobody was expecting anything other than the Chiefs to be in the sharp end of the the playoff picture and, and potentially the roadblock for anybody to get to the Super Bowl. Well, we've had a couple of conversations with you, Sam, about the Bills and the offseason. Now everybody's here, so it's it's over. We'll have the uh, free agent period in about a month, and then the draft, of course. It, you're the Bills. You're, you're, you're even making the points you've been making about Kansas City. I don't know what you can do about that. In fact, the Bills have tried to just purposely sort of focus on the Chiefs with some of their moves when they drafted Greg Rousseau, for example. What is important as you see them this offseason? Like, what are the top priorities? I mean, I think the thing for Buffalo is that the moves they've been making with Kansas City in mind have been the correct ones. They just need to keep going. Um, Sometimes you take swings at fixing a certain thing or addressing an area, and it doesn't necessarily work out. So you have to keep going. You have to do it again because if it didn't work the first time, it's unlikely to have stopped being a problem. You need to attack that spot again. I think this season showed the – building up that edge rush, building up that pass rush was a hugely important thing for this Bills defense. And then it all kind of evaporated again when Von Miller got hurt. So they need to try and um, future-proof that or try and make it so that that has more contingency than simply Von Miller. If he's around, we have a good pass rush. And if he isn't, we don't. So I think pass rush is absolutely an area of focus for this team in the offseason. But the big thing is, I think, first and foremost, with this whole offseason schedule, they're going to have to make some financial decisions. Um, you know, Tremaine Edmonds is, is hitting free agency, coming off a career year. That's a difficult call that they're going to have to make. Um, Jordan Poyer, I think, is another one, right? They're free agents who is coming up, and they need to make a decision on that. That's, I think, the, the toughest call that the, the Bills are going to have to make is, you know, with the money that we have tied up in Josh Allen with the restrictions that that makes uh, for the salary cap and roster construction generally, where do we want to allocate money? How, how do you, I know we've talked about Edmonds a few different times, Sam, um, over the last you know month or, or six weeks. Uh, how do you view him? How, how, how does he grade out? Like, and, and would, if you were the bills, would you pay him? I mean, I think I would let both of those guys walk. I think they're both difficult um, decisions to make. I think Matt Milano is the more important linebacker for this defense. Um, And the fact that Edmonds this year is such a big uh, outlier for him, such a big jump in performance, is a little bit scary. And I think you can definitely argue that, you know, he's young, this is the year the light went on, all those kinds of things. But there's too much of a correlation between – players taking a giant leap forward in contract years and a decline in performance once they sign that next contract for you to be 100% happy with, with handing over that kind of sum of money. And I think they, they just have enough um, resources that, that need to be 
dedicated to other areas that I wouldn't want to put that much money in a linebacking core in today's NFL. What do you what do you see happening this offseason at running back, Sam? And I really mean like from a league perspective, but the Bills are a fine team to use with Devin Singletary, who was okay, James Cook, who was a second-round pick. You know, the relative importance of the running game, probably bigger names around the league, veterans coming free whose contracts are up and are on the older side. And apparently the draft is loaded at running back if any team wants to draft running backs in the draft. I mean, eventually they will. You know, you've thought about it. I know you're doing some some rookie podcasts and shows for PFF. What do you think it'll be like? Yeah, it's a very strong group of uh, running backs this year. It's not necessarily loaded with a ton of kind of big power backs, but just the quality overall of, of runners available this season for this draft will be, I think, very high. So if teams are looking to add something to their backfield, if they're looking to just add another body, looking to add a different skill set, I think the draft is absolutely a good place to be targeting this offseason. I think the Bills are in one of those uh, situations where, they should just always be looking to bring in potential upgrades in that backfield. I don't think they need to try too hard because it's not a team that's ever going to have, you know, this bell cow, Derrick Henry style of running back. They're not going to be built that way on offense as long as they have Josh Allen. But that doesn't mean that they don't have room to just keep bringing in a, a young, talented back every season and see what he can do to this to, to the backfield. So will the Running backs, the caliber of Singletary, or I don't know if they're different for you, Miles Sanders, will those guys get flushed out? Like if I want to go, rookies are cheaper. It's not even going to be a high draft pick necessarily. Um, You know, teams use committees, so there are room for two or three usable running backs on every roster pretty much. But those guys, like how many of those guys really just don't see much playing time next year? Yeah, I mean, I think – Contract is huge for running backs. Firstly, their rookie contract is where you're going to get the best version of a running back most of the time. And secondly, that second contract, it's that I think is where it becomes not worth the investment for a lot of veteran running backs. I, I would be very reluctant to give most running backs any kind of significant second contract type of money because you can get the same performance for cheaper in the draft, significantly cheaper. So, I think there's definitely a cap uh, which you probably shouldn't go beyond for a veteran running back because the the added uh, ability, the added production that you're paying for just is not worth it. It's not anything like a, a like-for-like um, direct correlation. I think you're far better off sticking with cheaper first contract running backs and, and maybe rolling the dice a little bit more on that uncertainty because the value you're saving is so much better. I feel like that that is one of the the most important points about not drafting running backs in the first round. It's not to say like every guy you draft in the first round has to earn a second contract, but I think you you'd like that to be the case. And I don't want to ever pay a running back I drafted in the first round a second contract. I just I think you know almost no matter how good he is in, in today's yeah, but league. I, like, but I think the second contract thing is is far more of a problem than drafting the guy in the first round thing i actually think there's much more of an argument for drafting a running back in the first round than people believe there is that definitely has a limit and i think the higher up the first round you Mm -hmm. get the bigger a problem it is um but like Najee harris josh jacobs these guys were both drafted 24th overall i think 
and their contract is very, very minimal, you know, relative mm-hmm. to the, the league average at running back. Obviously, if you get up to number two, you have the Saquon Barkley draft pick, that's where the money starts to get kind of crazy, and, is, and the opportunity cost is far more in terms of the blue-chip prospect that you passed up at a different position. But when you get you know, into the 20s, I think drafting a running back in the first round is perfectly defensible um, and actually potentially a reasonably good deal from a financial standpoint. Interesting. How about Derek Carr today, Sam? Does he get, in your opinion, a big contract? Like could a, a Carolina or New Orleans? I, my answer is yes. Uh, see, Derek Carr at 31, durable, young enough as like franchise guy, let's ride. Yeah, I mean, when he signed, um, teams are not really interested in good quarterbacks anymore. You are interested in trying to find great quarterbacks. And if you don't find a great quarterback, you tend to be rebooting and trying to do it again, particularly, certainly for AFC teams. because, And that's what, you know, obviously the Raiders just did. They had Derek Carr. Derek Carr's been a good quarterback for years, but good quarterback doesn't do you any good when you're in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. And if you make it to the playoffs, you've got to get past Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and now Trevor Lawrence. And, like, good is useless to that. You need to be having an insanely good team around a good quarterback for that to be a viable prospect. So teams are getting rid of those guys, and they're trying to find something that can compete with these great quarterbacks. Now, I think that dynamic is a bit different, certainly in the NFC South, where Derek Carr on, I think, all four of those rosters would immediately wrap up that division next year. Hmm. But you're in a similar situation where once you get to the playoffs, is it going to be good enough? Um, And I think pretty much any quarterback or any team, rather, that needs a quarterback this offseason is unlikely to have Derek Carr as their number one preference. Um, you know, they're going to be searching for something better than that. And then maybe Derek Carr ends up being plan B um, and still getting paid because good quarterbacks will get paid. But I I just find it tough to believe that, you know, he's going to be a free agent as of like 4 p.m. today. And I I can't see the phone ringing off the hook to get that deal done tomorrow. Hmm. Interesting. Jets, good point on NFC South. Got a thought on Aaron Rodgers as we head to the – the offseason, Sam, like, do you think he plays somewhere else? Is he still good? Yeah, I mean, I think both those things. I think okay. he probably ends up playing somewhere else. I think Green Bay is probably ready to move on from him. Um, and I think there are teams that make a ton of sense for Aaron Rodgers. I think the Jets are the one that's getting connected to him the most, and I think that does make the most sense. And I, But, again, I think there's a lot of those teams, if you're in need of a quarterback, I would imagine Aaron Rodgers would be – significantly further ahead on your list of preferences than Derek Carr. I get it. All right, Sam. Well, uh, this is it for a while. We love talking to you. I'm glad the Super Bowl was fun. I mean, how could it not be? You had good accommodations, like the suite and everything. Uh, they, they, did, they did well for you? We were in the auxiliary press box, which is the sort of scaffolding construction at the end of one end zone <laughs> that if you, if you were my size was – awkward if your steve size six foot ten and pushing 300 would have been physically impossible to fit into <laughs> auxiliary is just never a good word is it like no anything that's aux- like it's just extra we've we've had auxiliary press box experience ourselves like you know they're just we we, we can accommodate you but it's not going to be that nice yeah and it also they didn't seem to um factor in what 
parking a new scaffolding construction in the middle of the concourse would do to like people movement. So there was, <laughs> there was some major traffic jams of humanity at that end of the end zone. Life experience. Thank you, Sam, for today and for every every Tuesday here throughout the season. Anytime, guys. My pleasure. All right. Sam Monson of PFF at PFF underscore Sam to follow him on Twitter. Kind of leap. You know, he sort of said, call me next week if you want. Like, he sounds like, <laughs> like, like Wingo, and these, we do well enough for them, I guess, to, you know, I'm here. I'm here. He's always been uh, very polite when we've re- reached out to him, unless you've had a different experience. I've never had an interaction with Sam. You you sort of took that on. I don't have I'm, a. I don't have. I mean, I could DM him, I suppose. But I, yeah, I'm our Sam guy. You you're you are our Sam guy. Hey. I'm our Ross Ross Tucker guy. Yes, that's right. We we divide them up. Eight oh three oh five fifty for any calls talking Super Bowl Bills off season some Sabers as well. Uh, another tough one. Mike Shope and the Bulldog here. We'll get to that coming up on WGR. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.